Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to another edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Network. And right now, I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. I'm going to be talking about last night's big box office numbers for Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, Zombie Double Tap. I'm also going to be talking about Once Upon a Time is getting a ban in China for its release. That's supposed to come out next week. Also, some trending trailers came out in the last day or so. But the first thing I want to talk about is... Probably the news of the week in terms of the topic, which has been the Batman. A lot of casting news has come out. Zoe Kravis was announced earlier this week to be playing Selena Kyle, aka Catwoman. And then a few, and then literally 24 hours later, Jonah Hill was said to have dropped out from talks to playing the Riddler. And then 24 hours later, it was announced that Paul Dano, the Academy Award two-time Academy Award nominee, will be playing Edward himself. I, I call myself there because he's playing the Riddler, but it's not going to be Edward Nigma. The name's going to be Edward Nashton. And when I when I heard this announcement right away, it clicked into my mind. This is, and I said it on Twitter, this is the best second option you could ever have. And according to the to the reports, they they had if it didn't work out with Jonah Hill, they had Paul Dano in mind, which is why. Everything happened so fast. Literally a day after Hill dropped out, Paul Dano was announced, which is great on the stu- on the part of the studio and Matt Reeves to having a backup plan in mind to, okay, if it doesn't work out here, we can go right to this person who probably said yes right away and, and they talked and they talked it out. And I think this is absolutely perfect. When you get somebody in the caliber of Paul Dano who is an incredible actor who has stood amongst some of the greatest and matched up as equally as them, for example, for what he did with There Will Be Blood with Daniel Day-Lewis. Well, Daniel Day-Lewis gave one of the probably the greatest performances of all time as an actor. Paul Dano was right up there with him as well in terms of giving an outstanding performance and really almost matching toe-to-toe with one of the greatest actors we have ever seen. And I think f- when, when you look at who the Riddler is and you look at Paul Dano, I could easily see the resemblance and, and what Matt Reeves could be going for. And again, again, going just to the cast itself, this is incredible. I mean, the cast that Matt Reeves is assembling for this could be some of the best in terms of a, a casting or a group of actors and actresses that you have in a in a superhero movie, in a comic book movie. And even though Hill was, he, he, he was in talks for the Riddler, he, he was initially in talks to play the Penguin, but Hill wanted the Riddler part, and there have been some going-ons on Twitter and, and around the industry that there this this Riddler role was really something that a lot of actors were attracted to, and that Matt Reeves might have written an, an incredible arc for this character. So I'm really excited to see Paul Dano go up against Robert Pattinson. I think that's going to be some of the best actors we have in the industry today, going toe-to-toe together. You also have, again, Zoe Kravitz in there, Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner Gordon, this is stack. This is stacking up to be something incredible, and right now it seems like Matt Reeves is going along the lines of doing a rogues gallery of villains. And I and I and I voiced my opinions on what I thought about that specifically of having so many villains. But if Matt Reeves, who I trust completely after what he did with the Planet of the Apes trilogy and crafting two outstanding films in Dawn and War of the Planet of the Apes with Andy Serkis, I think what Matt Reeves could be doing with this film and potentially future films down the line is give teases to other characters but at the same time I think with the caliber of these actors you still want to give them their due in this movie and I think either way if the script is perfect and these these actors 
agree to be in this movie. I think we're in for a great film that's going to come out in June of 2021, which I'm really excited about. Guys, what do you think of this casting of Paul Downer? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now to go on to some results that came in yesterday for preview night for a bunch of the new releases that are coming out this weekend. The two big ones that are coming out that aren't limited are Maleficent Mistress of Evil and Zombieland Double Tap. And these are two films that are going to appeal to two very different very different markets in terms of you got more of the family and female side probably leaning towards Maleficent with Angelina Jolie which is a sequel to Maleficent and then you have Zombieland Double Tap which is probably going to skew more to the male side and more to the to the male side of things I think in terms of the demographics but looking at these reports right now it seems that Zombieland Double Tap is off to a really impressive start beating Maleficent in preview night Coming away with $2.8 million and Maleficent only getting $2.3 million in its opening night. But still, right now, Maleficent Mistress of Evil is predicted to do $40 million and Zombieland is predicted to do $20 to $25 million. Even the, 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 the maximum impact they're thinking Zombieland can make is 30 It's going to be interesting, I think, again, when we look at the box office, Thursdays don't really tell a lot. They give, if anything, they give a good gauge of when hardcore fans of these especially when it's a sequel or a very highly recommended IP or something that's an adaption of something you can you you can get some base of where the previews are going for the hardcore fans that are going on those nights but it's usually a, something like a friday like today in which people will go out to the movies tonight and then Saturday, and that'll give a good gauge for where the weekend is going to go. So even though it's off by about $5 million or so, I still think you're going to get a lot of those families to come out, especially for Halloween time, that have maybe seen Adam's Family, or maybe the families are a little bit older and don't want to go see a, an animated film like Adam's Family, and something that could appease the horror of this month and the Halloween aspect of this month, Maleficent might be able to cater towards those families a lot more. So I think Maleficent is going to have a huge surge, specifically maybe not on Friday, but I think Saturday is going to be a huge uptick in the family-going experiences for people at the movies this weekend. So I still get the edge to Maleficent Mistress of Evil, but I would be really impressed if Zombieland Double Tap was to be able to pull out the win. Now if, it'll be interesting to see if Zombieland comes in at around 30 or 40, but if it's something where it wins at a $25, $30 million and wins the weekend, that'll be very telling on Maleficent's part more than it will on Zombieland 2's part. So I think this is going to be a very interesting weekend. I think these two are going to come closer than we actually think is going to happen. Guys, what do you think of Maleficent and Zombieland on their opening nights? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now I want to get into Disney Plus and... This, they, they've been having a big weekend, excuse me, not even a weekend, but a big week. They start, they, they, they didn't launch Disney Plus, but they, but they launched the, the, the prices for Disney Plus and the fact that you can pre-order it now before it comes out on November 12th. Hollywood Reporter did an article on Bob Iger and really about the most influential, top 100 influential people in all of Hollywood. But on a, on a more subtext note, they talked about Disney Plus and the rollout for Disney Plus and the creation of Disney Plus and how it'll infect, excuse me, not infect, impact Hollywood and the entertainment industry and what we're now calling the streaming wars. And so in the article, which I highly recommend everybody to read, it's 
if you're really inter- interested in these streaming wars and how something like a Disney can have a big impact on a Netflix and an Amazon and Apple TV Plus when it comes out on November 1st, I highly recommend giving this a good read. And one of the very interesting aspects of this article was the cost of all of these shows that are coming out, specifically the original shows that Disney Plus is creating. We have a lot of stuff that they're doing with Lucasfilm and even on their own side where they have shows like High School Musical, the series coming, which just got renewed for season two. But then they have stuff like from Lucasfilm and Marvel Studios with Kevin Feige, which with the visual effects and the way that they make it seem like these mini movies, something like you would probably see on an HBO or even, a, again, a Netflix, there it's the, the cost for all these episodes per episode is going to be enormous. Right now, Mandalorian, which is its first season, is going to be launched on November 12th, which is the launch of Disney+. Plus. It's going to be coming out bi-weekly, so every other week, every week it's going to be coming out instead of doing a rollout like Netflix does where you can binge it all at once, which I'm really happy about because it's going to be starting on November 12th and ending on December 28th, so we're going to have a nice, nice Star Wars fest, like a nice, a nice meaty Star Wars to end the year of 2019 after being without it since May, really, for any new, any new big material that is on the movie landscape, but also on the TV landscape, but... Going back to the money aspect, Mandalorian is costing $15 million per episode between the cast and the visual effects that go into it. And again, it's if, if you were to plot Mandalorian from Disney Plus onto the theater, it would be like a theatrical experience. And that's what it is. It's an eight-hour movie, really, is what Mandalorian is going to be. And a lot of these shows from Lucasfilm and from Marvel Studios. And going to Marvel Studios, their production budget right now per episode for... WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and Hawkeye, which were specifically referenced in in the in the article, along with Loki, they're all gonna be around twenty-five million dollars per episode. So that's ten million dollars more than what Mandalorian is is or Disney's dishing out to Mandalorian right now. And so I think that speaks to the production quality of what they're going for with these shows, which I really, really love that. Even though this is a lot of money and you're wondering where it's going, I think the fact that they're putting all this money into it and they're betting on it because of how successful it potentially could be, and especially with The Mandalorian, you it's one of the first things you get on Disney+. Plus. You get Star Wars back into your lives. I think it's, it's, it's great to know that they're putting in all that money to all the attention to detail that they want to do with all these shows. And one other thing I want to get to, I talked about how this High School Musical show is getting a new, re, uh, a, a new season. Same thing with Mandalorian. And I think what's an interesting question is, is this show going, or are these shows, are, is Disney Plus jumping the gun on these shows already, or do they feel confident enough to say, you know what, people are going to like this show enough that we're going to put out another season already before people have even seen an episode. Nobody, not even critics, have seen an episode of, as far as I know, of Mandalorian or High School Musical, the the series. I, I don't want to say the whole name because it's, 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 it's a tongue twister. But for, for both of these shows, nobody has seen any anything except for these trailers that have come out from D23. So I think it's going to be interesting to see if, if the confidence relates to the audience's confidence in saying, right off the bat, I want more already. So I think that's going to be really interesting. It shows the confidence Disney Plus and Disney itself, Bob Iger, have in their product and what they're putting out for people when it launches on November 12th. Guys, what do you think of all of, all of this production budget's that are happening with Disney Plus. Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now I want to go on to some 
a story that's come out about Edward Norton, who is promoting Motherless Brooklyn, which is coming out November 1st. He wrote it and directed it and starred in it as well. And I think... And he he's on the he's on tour for this, and, I, and he's been responding to everything that Scorsese is saying about comic book movies and how they're invading the cinemas. And Ed Norton took a different approach in which he didn't blame comic book movies or Marvel in particular. He blamed the theaters for putting the these movies out there. And to, to that, I say that look, the theaters have got to make money in some way, shape, or form, and if it means putting see putting these movies out there which are billion dollar hits and mind you they don't make the money off of the movies they may they make money off the concessions so they gotta lure people in to come see those movies at their theater and so when you have something like a star wars the rise of skywalker just coming out or even something like a joker that just came out you want people to come see it or an avengers endgame you want people to come to your theater and the best way to do that is to say come see it here but also rely on your concessions which is where theaters make their money so and theaters are trying to get out not get out of the business but add to the business to make more of an entertainment area look at what amc is doing between what they're doing with this new this this new home on demand system that they're doing along with this NFL thing they're, that they're trying to do and watching football on the big screen. They're just trying to get people in it and create a new revenue for themselves. And I really, really, I respect the heck out of that as somebody who follows business and likes to sometimes think of himself as doing business. It, it, it's what you have to do, how to make money, how to keep afloat and keep interest and keep the lights on and keep the business going. If that's what you got to do, that's what you got to do. And someone like an AMC is always trying to find new and improved things to do on these things. So I think for Ed Norton to say this, I can understand where he's coming from. But at the same time, movie theaters got to make the money somehow. And this is the way that they have to do it. Now moving on to another story coming from the writers of Edge of Tomorrow. They're saying the script has been completed and that a sequel to Edge of Tomorrow, which is being titled Live, Die, Repeat, Repeat, is already completed and ready for principal photography. But because of Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt's very busy schedules, they're some of the biggest stars on the planet right now. They have to wait for them. Tom Cruise is going to begin shooting the new Mission Impossible films, which are shooting back-to-back. And then Emily Blunt is a big star right now. She just finished up Jungle Cruise. I'm sure she's got a few other movies that are on in the pipeline for her right now. And Tom Cruise is always the big star from Edge of, from Edge of Tomorrow. But Emily Blunt, I think, Edge of, Edge of Tomorrow, Lift I Repeat, whichever title that you use, it she, she became a household name with Edge of Tomorrow because it showed how big of an action star she can be. And I think she's because of that movie, over the last few years, she's become an even bigger star than she was when Edge of Tomorrow came out. And I think now she's just as big as Tom Cruise is right now, if not bigger, in terms of she can do any movie. Whereas Tom Cruise right now, with Mission Impossible, it's a huge success for him, but I'm not sure if any other movies can quite reach a big stratosphere right now if you were just to put Tom Cruise in there. I think it's going to be interesting to see how Top Gun does next summer when it releases in 2020, but I, I, I'm interested in seeing this, I, I'm interested to see what they can do that's new, they went with the whole Groundhog Day vibe of Tom Cruise's character dies, but then he repeats the day, and he has to try to find some way to save the world, it was a really cool, interesting, new sci-fi film that, even though it had some old plot tricks and plot devices, it still was a new world, a mythology, the characters were interesting. I really dug the movie. It was a really good sci-fi film. That was a surprise. I don't think anybody saw really doing as successful as it did. But a sequel is in the works. I'm interested in seeing what they do, but I'm not overtly excited. But 
when you have Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt back, and if you get Damon Lindelof back, who directed the first one, he did a good job with the first one. I'm excited to see where it goes. Guys, are you excited for Engine of Tomorrow sequel? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now to go on to the a few trending trailers that came out, and that has to do with the new Peter Rabbit runaway trailer that came out, and the cast is with Rose Byrne, Domino Gleason, David Oyelo, Elizabeth Debicki, Margot Robbie, and James Corden, who's back as Peter Rabbit. And this seems to show Peter trying to fit in, but decides to run away and explore the world, and it seems to be doing the, 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 the sequel thing of exploring the world and, again, opening up the world for these people and, and these animals to see the world for what it is, and it looks, it looks cute. I mean, if you, it seems like if you like the first one, you're going to like this one. It has the same jokes and the same characters as the, fir the first film, which was a, a good box office hit. I, I like Rose Byrne. Domino Gleeson, I like him in comedies. He plays that stern guy that always gets into silly trouble and he doesn't mean to get into silly trouble so i like that i like corden's voice in in the role of this so it looks interesting it's coming out on easter which is it, it's perfect for this kind of movie with, with rabbits and and rabbits are a part of easter so i it, it, it's a it's a perfect blend together and it looks interesting i'm not again this is this is not for me this is for kids and for people who like the first one they're gonna go out and see this one guys did you like the first peter the, the first trailer for peter rabbit too let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts now going on to marriage story which came out with the new trailer and poster for a film that's being released on november 6th in select theaters and coming on netflix on december 6th it's directed by noah bombach it's with scarlett johansson adam driver lauren dern alan alda ray liotta and it was a film that premiered at Venice. It premiered at the Toronto Film Festival, at the New York Film Festival. I believe it, I don't know if it premiered at Telluride, but it premiered at three of the big four film festivals that happened in late August, early September. And this is a film that I'm really excited about. It's been getting a slew of awards buzz this year so far and seems to be one of the big ones that's going to be a top competitor for Oscars this year between the cast and the directing and the writing from Noah Baumbach. And I, I love the poster where, again, this is, it's a story of one, uh, it's a human story about this marriage that is just falling apart and it's just the snapshots of life itself and relationships and how they can change of a blink of an eye like a photo. And I love in the trailer how Adam Driver seems to be the, the focal point that we're going with. We're kind of going through his version, but at the same time, we're going to be following Scarlett Johansson's version. We're going to get both sides of the story and not have favor one over the other. And I, and I think Scarlett Johansson looks great in this, but Adam Driver, to me, from all the buzz I've been hearing about him, it seems like he's fitting that between having great comedic moments but also having heartfelt, heartbreaking moments that might earn him a, a nomination for Best Actor. And right now, it seems like in the early get-go of award season, he could be the front-runner to get the statue for best actor in a leading role. So I I I I'm interested to see what this movie does. We got more we got our really first looks at Laura Dern and Alan Alda who have been getting some awards buzz as well. I'm interested in this. I'm really excited and I I can't wait for it. I'm gonna be seeing it on Netflix. I don't know if it's playing gonna be playing around me on November sixth, but I will be seeing it on December sixth on Netflix, like I'm gonna be doing this weekend with the laundromat with Steven Soderbergh. But what's also interesting is that Netflix is also redoing the Paris Theater in New York City to put their films, specifically their awards films right now, so people can get more attention. It's because in the New York area, there's not a big Alamo Draft House. There's not all these indie theaters that you can get to right away. 
And I like what they did with the Irishman and putting it in a theater, in, in, in an actual Broadway theater. And what Netflix is doing with the Paris Theater that holds a lot of theaters, but the last big screen one, they're putting a lot of their big films in there for this award season. And I'm excited for that. And, and, I, and I think I love that Netflix is doing that. They're giving unique theater experiences to people that are different from when you go to like an AMC or a Regal that we that's really the status quo now but with Netflix I think what they're trying to do if they can't get to these major chains is try different theater viewing experiences that can can benefit people and give them something different than they would if they went to go see something that was playing in the natural theater so I'm really excited about that I think it's gonna be really cool to see when it comes out on November 6th. Guys, what do you think of the Marriage Story poster and the trailer? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Then going on to Terminator Dark Fate. It is now officially rated R for violence throughout language and brief nudity. It is the first time that a Terminator film is rated R since Terminator 30 Rise of the Machines, Terminator Salvation, and Terminator Genesis were both rated PG-13, and we both know how those two movies fared out. Although I do have to say, Terminator Salvation is kind of a guilty film, a guilty pleasure film for me. I, 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 do, in, I do enjoy my time watching that movie. Is it the best film in the world? Is it? it it's okay. It's, it's, it's nothing fantastic. It's not like Terminator Judgment Day or Terminator, but I still enjoy that one. Terminator Genesis, not so much. But with this one, there's some more confidence to be had. You have James Cameron's coming back, who's producing it, not directing. The directing chair goes to Tim Miller, who directed Deadpool, which was a huge success for 20th Century Fox at the time in 2016. So I think when you incorporate all those elements together, you have Lyndall Hamilton returning, Arnold Schwarzenegger. You're coming off of the, first, the second Terminator and, and continuing the story from Judgment Day and not from these other three sequels that came out over the last 15 so years. So I think with Terminator Dark Fate, we're getting something new. We're getting something we're, – we're, we're going to get something that we know and we're familiar with. So I'm really excited about that. Tickets are on sale. It's projected to make around $40 million its opening weekend. That number could go up or it could go down. I think it's going to really depend on what the reviews are for this movie. If Paramount has a lot of confidence in this one, they'll put screeners out early for people and get the word out as soon as possible for people to go see it. It's really the big film that's coming out on November 1st, so – I think it's going to be interesting to see, can James, is James Cameron the one? Because that, that's really what this is all about, because James Cameron had involvement with the story and producing credits as well. He's not directing, but he's one, it, it really relies on him, I think. You, you have Linda Hamilton back, you have all these elements back, which I think are going to kill it. But for James Cameron, is the Terminator franchise better in your hands than it was when it was over at, at, at with Paramount, but not under your stewardship as the first two were? So I think that's going to be a really telling. So a lot of pressure is on James Cameron for this one. Is Are you the one that returns Terminator to its glory? It's got the R rating. So now let's see what they can deliver in terms of story, in terms of spectacle for Terminator Dark Fate. I think that's going to be telling a lot in the next few weeks. Guys, what do you think of Terminator Dark Fate being rated R? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now going on to a very interesting, concerning story coming out of China, and has to do with Quentin Tarantino's ninth film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and it came out today that China decided a week before the film is released on October 25th that it is pulling it from its schedule of releases in its theaters. There is, there is no comment from China about why they pulled it. Sony Pictures doesn't have a reasoning for why, Sony, uh, why they pulled it from their re release schedule, and apparently it is that one of the instances could be that 
The graphic violence in the film could be a little too much, especially towards the end. You also have, there's a scene with Bruce Lee, and Lee's estate has been very outspoken, especially especially Bruce Lee's daughter, who decided that the scene that Tarantino filmed was, it, 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 it didn't represent who her father was. It was a scene in which Mike Moe, who plays Bruce Lee in the film, was talking to Brad Pitt, and they were arguing about Muhammad Ali, who in the film is referenced as Cassius Clay. Spoiler if you haven't seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yet, but that's one of the main reasons that potentially the Chinese market didn't want to put Once Upon a Time in Hollywood out. Again, Tarantino has said that he is not going to put the movie out for people. He's not going to recut the movie, which you have to give him props for that in terms of He's not going to cater to the market. He is, again, he is a auteur. He is a filmmaker. He All he sees is, is it, is it essential to the movie? Which, in, in, in pretty much the case, it is for what is going on in Cliff Booth's life, who plays Brad Pitt, who is played by Brad Pitt. So I commend Quentin Tarantino for doing that, or I, I, I commend Quentin Tarantino for doing that. I think it's, an, I think it's the right move. And I hope it's able to get some kind of release in China some way, somehow, that Sony is able to actually do something about this and and and, and actually be able to talk about this and, and, and be able to actually get a release and do something amazing about that. But guys, what do you think about all this? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now, one of the final things I want to talk about is going into the superhero realm. And the first thing is Naomi Harris is in talks to play Shriek. And Shriek is a villain who is actually the love interest and partner of Carnage. Now, in Venom, it was announced in, in, in a post credit scene that featured Tom Hardy, who plays Eddie Brock slash Venom, in which Woody Harrelson will be playing Carnage, the villain, which is the the antithesis of venom it is the the doppelganger of venom but is is a more is a more fierce more visceral more maddening side of the symbiote era and, and the symbiote particles and the symbiote beings that are incorporated into the venom film and Naomi Harris has not been finalized to play this role but she is in talks to play shriek in venom and again, it's going to be bringing back Woody Harrelson as Carnage, also going to bring back Tom Hardy, Naomi Harris, potentially in this movie. Also, Michelle Williams will be back in the movie playing Eddie Brock's love interest. Right now, the film doesn't have a definitive release date, but it is scheduled to come out on October of 2020. So next year, Venom was a movie that had a bunch of, a lot of negative reviews. But at the same time, people consider it a guilty pleasure of theirs that it harkened back to the 90s era of superhero films. And also, it grossed over $800 million worldwide. And Joker just beat the to the, the highest grossing October opening in box office history, which was held by Venom with $80 million. But Joker heavily surpassed that. And so, with Venom, there's a lot riding on it, especially when you get someone like Andy Serkis to be involved to direct this movie and have Tom Hardy back on as a, as a producer and a creative consultant as well. I think it's really good, and if they're able to get Naomi Harris back, I think that is a huge plus for them, and I'm excited to see what they're able to do with her and her character if she is to sign on for that role. But guys, what do you think of Naomi Harris back in the role of Shriek? Let me know what you think down below in the comments section. And finally, 
Dwayne the Rock Johnson announced on Instagram or even even it's uh, actually it was on Twitter. It was on Twitter. He was taking fan questions, and one fan asked about Black Adam. He was a big fan, and the Rock did announce that production on Black Adam, who is the the opposite, the, the villain side of the Shazam character, which came out this year with Zachary Levi, which was a big su- success. And it, it, and Black Adam was even referenced in the movie, spoiler alert, it came out a few months ago, so it's, it's on DVD now for people to watch. He announced that Black Adam would be coming out, or excuse me, wouldn't even be coming out, but would start shooting next summer. And so Dwayne The Rock Johnson has been attached to star in Black Adam for a while, it's been no surprise that this is something that Warner Brothers has been wanting to do. It's just I think that they've been focused on trying to get the DCEU up. And when it kind of failed in the beginning, they kind of went in a different direction. And they didn't want to start off with Black Adam at first. So I think now that they got their feet wet, they've done Joker, they've done Shazam, Aquaman, Wonder Woman. They have Wonder Woman 1984 coming out next year along with the Birds of Prey, along with the Suicide Squad. I think they're ready for Black Adam to make its debut on the screen. And even though Black Adam is a villain to Shazam, when you have somebody like The Rock, who I think is going to play a very interesting, I don't know whether it be an actual villain or anti-hero who who will turn villain in Shazam 2 or whenever he turns up in Shazam, I think getting The Rock to play that kind of role is interesting, and I'm excited to see him play that in future, future roles down the line. But guys, what do you think of Dwayne The Rock Johnson playing Black Adam? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Guys, that's going to be it for this edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and so much more. Along, Make sure to tune in onto the Ambiguous Network and be sure to check out their amazing shows that they have on that site, such as You Mad Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis, and check out Goal Driven Professionals, geared toward improving client relations, return on investment, and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. You can check them on their website, ambiguousproduction.com, also on Facebook and Twitter, at Real Ambiguous. Also, make sure to follow me on social media at Twitter, at Basel Samuel, that's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L, and on Facebook, at Sam Basel. Also, make sure to follow the at Sam Basel podcast. Thank you guys again so much for tuning in, and until next time, keep on screening.